Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. All right, we are back. We are back doing our presidential candidate breakdown for the 2024 election cycle. And we're talking about Governor DeSantis' interview. Now, to be fair, this particular interview is a lot longer than the other two that I listened to between Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. So I did not use a lot of it. I tried to pull out some key subjects that are kind of aligned with the things that I know people will be interested in, as well as I try to make it a little closely related to some of the stuff that I shared regarding Nikki Haley and um, and Vivek Ramaswamy, because I did want to be fair. Um, But the reason why this interview was longer and I selected this interview is because it was conducted, I think it was two weeks ago. And I want to stay as current as possible. So I'm always looking for current interviews to make sure that I'm not talking about things that they may have changed their mind on or just kind of upgraded their views and things of that nature. So we're going to get started with the DeSantis breakdown. And, um, The first audio you're going to hear is DeSantis talking about his upbringing. So take a listen. My father was born, is from Western Pennsylvania in a town called Aliquippa. That's a steel town. His father worked in the steel mills. My mother's from Youngstown, Ohio, another steel town. So this is blue collar, gritty, uh, religious, patriotic. And so I was born in Florida and grew up in the in the Tampa Bay area. And, and that was a great place to do. But in terms of like my household values really reflected that working class upbringing. And basically what I think instilled in me is, you know, I love the country, trusted God, but just really believed you don't get anything handed to you in this mm-hmm. life. You've got to work for it. And so I had a work ethic that I developed in my childhood and that carried me through that, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in this world that you can't control. The one thing you can control, are you going to be able to look in the mirror every day and say, I'm getting the most out of my God-given ability? And that's what I try to do. When I heard this, I didn't hear anything too new. I mean, Vivek, as well as Nikki, both. Well, I will say this. So Vivek Ramaswamy definitely talked about his parents and his upbringing. I really like that that's what DeSantis did as well. I like to know who you are, where'd you come from, where were you born? Like, you know, not just how you feel politically, but, you know, what 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 insight? Like, just give us a little bit of insight on how your upbringing has shaped your values. And I like that he discussed what he learned from his family values, such as work ethic and things of that nature. I like that he's from Florida. I like that he has a military background. And as I stated before, Vivek and I've heard, I've heard Vivek, obviously in the last podcast, he did share about his parents and his upbringing. I don't think Nikki did in the last interview, but I did hear, I've heard a lot about her family and of them. And I think, I believe they're Sikhs and of Indian descent. And, um, so she has talked a lot about that. So I always like when I hear more personable responses to who are you? So thumbs up to that so far, DeSantis going, moving on. 
we're going to talk about education since we did talk about that a bit with Vivek. Um, DeSantis has been very vocal about where he stands on education and what we're seeing in our school system. So I kind of figured he would have a good response to this, but um, you take a listen. And it's not good for them because when they get into the real world, their assumptions have never been questioned. Mm. You should want your assumptions questioned. A university is about pursuing truth. It's about rigor and academic integrity and giving people the foundation so they can think for themselves and be citizens of the republic, not to impose ideology. In Florida, we're actually doing something about it. I just appointed a bunch of conservative trustees to New College in Sarasota. They've recategorized the mission to being a classical liberal arts uh, university. And we're working with all of our state universities to ensure that they're not imposing ideology through the bureaucracy. We want there to be free speech on campus. We want the professors to come from a wide variety of viewpoints. You can't have every professor having the same leftist dogma in the class. That's not good education. and It doesn't serve the best interests of the state of Florida. Okay, so as I stated, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people would totally agree with what he said. Um, That's a subject that has united this country so much. And, you know, something that I thought about is when he was talking was how Gen Zers, which are the generations below millennials, I'll be 40 um, next year, I'll be 39 this year, and I'm considered on the tail in the late older end of millennials. Um, I, but I'm more so a zennial, which is that little bit of group of people that are kind of trapped in between the Gen Xers and the millennials. Because an identifier is that I, I lived in a, during a time where I do remember when we did not have cell phones and technology wasn't as prevalent as it is now. But I also remember when it came in and grew up in the technology age. So um, I'm not as technically savvy, technically (laughs) savvy as, um, I'm sorry, I'm technically not technologically (laughs) as savvy as some of our younger millennials, but I'm a little more savvy as Gen Xers. So that's kind of how I fall into that Zenio place. But something I've noticed about our Gen Zers is that I believe that they are behind socially. I believe that they're kind of falling behind economically, absolutely emotionally. I've never seen mental health in young people so running so rampant in my life. And I also believe that they are behind professionally because the work ethic in Gen Zers to me is just just so. I mean, it's it's like you're it's almost like you're hard pressed to find individuals that are in the Gen Z community or age group that is okay with working, you know, on the weekends. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying it's all of them because I do know some fabulous Gen Zers that are really fighting against all of this, but I think they would agree as well. So I absolutely agree with that. I love that he, that Governor DeSantis is not promoting making our universities right wing. I believe there are probably some people who will want to see, you know, all the teachers Republicans, but I don't think that's good either. So promoting, you know, he promoting debate and and disagreement in our universities for the sake of discussion and growth, I think is absolutely a positive. Okay, moving on to his thoughts on Ukraine and Putin. 
and his just overall feelings regarding the war. Now, before we play this audio, I got to give you just a little bit of a backstory. So apparently a little bit ago, uh, Governor DeSantis made a statement where he referred to the Russian invasion as a territorial dispute. And that caused some uprise and uproar uh, because, you know, there are people who definitely see it differently. And so let's listen to his response to Piers Morgan as he asked him about those remarks. I think it's been, uh, you know, mischaracterized. Obviously, Russia invaded that. That was wrong. They invaded Crimea and took that in 2014. That was wrong. What I'm referring to is kind of where the fighting is going on now, which is that western border or eastern border region, Donbass, and then Crimea. And you have a situation where Russia has had that. I don't think legitimately, but they've had. There's a lot of ethnic Russians there. So that's some difficult fighting. And so whatever, the conflict area, that's what I was referring to. And so it wasn't that I thought Russia had a right to that. And so if I should have made that more clear, I could have done it. But I think the larger point is, okay, Russia has not shown the ability to to take over Ukraine, to, to, to topple the government, or certainly to threaten NATO. That's a good thing. They've been weakened. You now have the fighting in those areas. I just don't think that's a sufficient interest for us to escalate more involvement. I would not want to see, you know, American troops involved there. But the idea that I think somehow Russia was was justified and that's nonsense. And I was in. Look, I think he's got grand ambitions. I think he's hostile to the United States. But I think the thing that we've seen is he doesn't have the conventional capability to realize his ambitions. And so he's basically a gas station with a bunch of nuclear weapons. And so for us, one of the things we could be doing better is utilizing our own energy resources in the United States. We could be permitting natural gas pipelines from Marshallis, doing a lot in, uh, in, in Alaska. That's where he gets all his power. And obviously, he's influenced Europe uh, by, by having so much energy. So the way to hit Putin is to hit him with energy. But I do think you look back, all the defense analysts and me in the past, we overestimated his conventional capability. This has been a huge mm. blunder for him, uh, huge costs. And, uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with his longevity and, and, and power. But, but this, has been a, this has been a loss for them. I mean, I think he is a war criminal. This ICC, we have not uh, done that in the United States because we're concerned about our soldiers or people uh, being brought under it. So I don't know about that rubric, but I do think that, that he should be held accountable. That's the thing. I mean, I think it's, it's I think those regions and the border in Crimea, you know, I think are likely to, uh, uh, to to be a stalemate for quite some time. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people will end up dying if that's the case. But I do not think it's going to end with Putin being victorious. I do not think the Ukrainian government is going to be toppled by him. And, and I think that's a good thing. So a lot of people thought that he was kind of walking back his, you know, comments a little bit um, by being, you know, more direct. I just felt like he was being direct to answering the question. But my thoughts on Ukraine is that I absolutely think that we should have supported them in the beginning. The Ukrainian people deserve that. Um, I am highly impressed with the people of Ukraine because they put their lives on the line to defend their country. I'm not as impressed with President Zelensky, if I have to be honest. I don't like the fact that he's on GQ magazine. I don't like the fact that he's speaking to the Grammys. I don't like the fact that his wife, allegedly, is shopping in Paris during the war. I mean, I don't like the fact that he keeps wearing his his war clothes as if he's on the front lines. I just, I, I, there's so much about Zelensky that's a little weird to me. And so... 
I don't necessarily like Zelensky. However, um, and I don't like that he made a statement where he was saying that America needs to help or gotta help us and you know, even alluded to us sending our children to come fight in a Ukrainian war. That's an absolute no. And that was disturbing to me. And so that is my thoughts on Zelensky. But I do support the people of Ukraine. I do think that sending them some support was the right thing to do while not engaging. The fact that we are engaging a little bit more than what I anticipated is also a problem for me. I don't like all the money that we're sending. At some point, we have to allow the sovereignty of of countries to stand on their own. We can support for the sake of national security and making sure that we keep a level of peace throughout globally. However, I am not a nationalist. Uh, I'm sorry, I am not a, um, a globalist. I believe in nationalism. I absolutely am I'm America. We need to put America, American, and I think we need to put America first. And that is what I think the right thing is to do. And I think every country should see it like that. I don't like globalism at all because, you know, every country has its own sovereignty. That's the way it, it's made. I mean, as a constitutionalist, that's how I, I see the world. So, you know, I definitely... Um, but I do understand where, I think I understand where Governor Sanders was coming from as to where the war is being fought right now. However, um, I also think that it is bigger than a territorial dispute. So I don't agree with the way he worded that originally. Um, when he was talking about Putin, you know, I like that he did lead us into some solutions as to what we can do by not doing business with Putin. Um, and so... I, I always like solutions, so that was always a positive, and that, that will always be a positive to me. And I think he was clear on who he felt was winning the war and who he felt was losing the war, which we anticipated. Okay, so the next subject that he talked about was, you know, there are a lot of people who think that Governor DeSantis is kind of shooting himself in the foot because some of the policies that he's putting forth in Florida that he's signing, um, recently he signed into, um, a, into law, their new abortion law, which moved, if I'm not mistaken, the abortion um, from 15 weeks or or the ability to get an abortion from 15 weeks to six weeks. A lot of people had a lot of issues about that. So, uh, but, and a lot of people see it as a hard right issue. So I kind of wanted to hear what he thought about that. That was a question that Piers asked him around whether or not his policies and his positions are just too far right and if that's going to hurt him. So take a listen. Well, I don't really think that they're necessarily hardline positions. I mean, for example, the, the concealed carry, that's 25 states have that uh, in the United States. And I think we could say my first four years as governor, a lot of people said the same criticism that somehow I was only doing stuff for, for right. In reality, I mean, we were doing things like raise teacher salaries. We were doing conservation. We were doing things across the board. And I ended up winning a record victory. I won independence by 18 percentage points. And so that'll be the same formula uh, that, that we would take. And Honestly, forget about me. I think anybody should take a formula like that nationally. You can't win with just Republicans. You got to win with independents, and you need to convince some of these Democrats, which I was able to do in Florida, because, you know, there are people that are Democrats because that's what their family were. They're not woke. They don't like some of the nonsense going on. They want their streets safe, and they want quality education. So I think you could appeal to people across the gambit. I want to make sure you keep in mind that... I want to make sure you keep this in mind. When it comes to um, 
the hard right issues. We have to keep in mind that in Florida, a lot of what we're hearing in the narratives and in, in, in the media, as far as narrative go, is not what the people of Florida are saying. You know, you ha- I-, I saw that 1.5 million people voted for Governor DeSantis in this last run that didn't vote for him last time. That's a huge gain. And a lot of those people, from my understanding, were independents, as well as some Democrats who flipped and voted and supported him. And so when you talk to Floridians, they typically have a different story because they have the whole story. They're listening to what their governor is saying and they're seeing the press conference and they're, you know, it's a little bit more, they're a little bit more keen on what's happening. And per prime example, the banning of um, the AP black history class or studies that was trying to be imposed. It's, it's important to note that he was banning the curriculum of that particular course and not black history altogether. Black history is still being taught in Florida. It's just that he did not want the black history that this curriculum was trying to usher in because it wasn't black history at all. It was queer theory, which we talked about another time. And so on another episode I did, let's talk about queer theory. I kind of really went a little bit more in detail about that and why that was a problem. But a lot of people knew that. They knew in Florida why. Um, but I'm constantly having to explain to people that Governor DeSantis, and these are people who are not in Florida, that Governor DeSantis is not banning black history. However, there's also this other notion that traditional values isn't, um, or I mean, that traditional values is automatically a Republican thing, which is silly because these values have been around for extremely, extremely long time. A friend of mine, um, recently told me about a show that I love that's on Amazon prime called Tudor farm. And where you have three individuals, you have a, a historian and two archeologists who are living as the Tudor people, for an entire year. It is really cool. Check it out if you have not already. I think you will enjoy it. Something wholesome to watch. (laughs) Um, But I brought that up because there are a lot of values that we hold today and things that we do today that was being done back then. And the word Republican wasn't even a term at the time. So I absolutely think that they're, um, they're incorrect when they start to label traditional values as something that's aligned with the political party. Traditional values are just traditional values. And the reason why they're traditional is because they're sustainable. They have lasted for t- over time and it's been carried on. And you have to ask yourself that why is it that so many people still hold true to these values? Obviously, it's because they work. And that is something that I think I would like to see talked about more and in a different way. And I would definitely be talking about that as well. But I love that he closed by mentioning the importance of independence. I've said this before and I will continue to say it. Independence are our largest voting block. We can all cipher. We're all ciphering from that voting block to see who or which particular major party system wins. And we cannot ignore that. We have got to start paying attention to how we are addressing issues and how we're messaging to make sure that we are not leaving out our independence because they're right now our swing voters. Okay, moving on to his thoughts on President Trump. Now, this is unique because President Trump has 
been coming out against him. I mean, he's labeled him, you know, DeSantis, the what the sanctimonious, um, Ron the sanctimonious. There's so many things, but you know, there's been little jabs and attacks here and there, and and DeSantis has made a little bit of jabs too. You know, I mean, I felt like he kind of made a little bit of a jab when he mentioned um, the uh, the indictment. However, um, I'm not mad at it because you know, I mean, as, as a human being, you're gonna take for so much. But I do want to make sure, and I would love for Governor DeSantis to make sure he falls back and not allow his emotions to lead at any moment, but, um, here are his, here's his response to, um, Piers Morgan asking him about his thoughts on Trump. Okay. So I thought his answer was very safe. I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of really cool though. When I say safe, I don't mean safe, meaning like he was trying to avoid anything, but I thought it was cool that he mentioned the Russian hoax and how he was one of the first to call BS on that. Um, I, I thought it was good to kind of let us in on how their relationship got started and that it was a positive one. I think we all witnessed that. Um, I, I appreciated him saying that they were had, they did have a good relationship. I do again, want him to just disengage from any of the personal attacks and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm hoping he stays above the fray when it comes to that. Uh, but I do want to note something, you know, hypocrisy to me is the greatest threat to our society right now. And let me tell you why, because beyond Marxism, socialism, communism, we have to watch our own biases and our own hypocrisy. And there are people who are acting as if Governor DeSantis was never a supporter of Trump and never, and, and Trump never supported him when Trump has said a lot of really, really good things about DeSantis. I didn't put it in, um, in this audio because again, I don't, I, I really don't want to come off biased because I haven't selected. And I know Kelvin and I, we, we don't split votes. So we're whoever, you know, my husband says that he believes that we should support after you know praying about it, doing research and all of that. Um, that's who we support, but he definitely uses, uh, he definitely utilizes my input as well. Um, we have a discussion about it, but I do lean to my husband as the final authority in our home to determine who we are going to support politically. So I'm just doing my due diligence so that when that conversation comes, I can say, well, these are my reasons why I think we should support this person or not support that person. And so that's what this is all about. And I'm just kind of bringing you in on my research. And I'm going to be doing this kind of throughout because as we get closer to 2024, I'm going to do another one that is probably going to be a lot more in depth because we will have some, some data, but I just, I just want people to be mindful of the flip-flopping, right? Because there was a time where President Trump did say some really positive things about Governor DeSantis. And I know that's going to come up at some point again. It was mentioned during this interview, which um, I will post the full interview um, on my social media as far as a link to, this, to it. I will post it um, on, my, on, my, on my links in the, my bio so that you can check it out yourself and... Um, listen to the full interview. However, you know, I just want to make sure that we are not cannibalizing ourselves, please, because that's how we end up really in 
terrible situations. You know, we, we look weak. And, and, and I also think that when I see commercials attacking Governor DeSantis coming from President Trump, I, I'm a little confused because, you know, this govern, the governor has not announced. And I feel like you're either trying to stop him from announcing or you're afraid he will announce. And that's the only, I can only lean into that because I don't know why you're doing this. It just kind of looks weak to me. And I just, I just want us to stop doing all of that. So when asked the question, moving on to the last bit of audio we have, when the governor was asked um, about running for president, here's what he said. So, so I haven't made a, a final decision on it. Uh, I've told people I've got a lot that I've got to do over the next few months in Florida. We're going to put a lot of points on the board, and then we'll see how the dust settles uh, after that. But I can tell you, we just have a lot of people that realize the country's not going in the right direction and believe that what we've been able to do in Florida, if we could apply that nationally, would kind of get America back on track and back on our foundations. And so I take that very seriously. It's humbling that people have come to me and, and, and asked me to do it or urge me to do it. I've got a young family. I mean, I've got, I've got different, different uh, obligations, and it's not the easiest thing in the world uh, to, to, to go through. And I also want to make sure that, you know, I have a very clear rationale for doing what I'm doing. All I'm interested in doing is getting things done and accomplishing things. I don't need a title. I don't need fanfare. Uh, I just want to know that if I put my mind to this, if we ever did that and were successful, what could I do to make a difference? And, and that's what I have to have. Look, I think what it takes is to have a vision for the country, uh, have the ability to exercise leadership, and being willing to stand in that fire when it gets really, really hot and, and not back down uh, under pressure. And I think I have all those things. I like that he mentioned, you know, just kind of transferring his work in Florida to a national level. I don't have a problem with that. I, I do agree with a lot of the policies that I that I've seen I'm seeing coming out of Florida and the way he's handling it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I like that he mentioned his thought process. I think it's around running for office that seemed genuine to me. And you know, and there was additional audio audio that I didn't add to this, but where I might put it on my social media where he basically said that he 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 wants to keep the focus on Biden, that he knows he has to win a primary, but he's running against Biden if he chooses to run. So I thought that was good. You know, I thought his response was authentic and that's what I'm looking for. So I don't know. I don't I, I can't say that um, this is who we'll be supporting, but as of right now, I you know, I enjoyed the interview and it could be because of the interviewer, you know, like I really enjoyed Vivek's interview because I felt like Candace Owens asked questions that we were all interested in hearing. And I really liked that. And I felt the same way about Piers Morgan. I feel like he really uh, went there and he didn't let him off the hook on certain things. And I thought that was great. So I will be posting additional clips on my social media, the long interview, like I said, I wanted to be fair, so I did not add all of the clips that I have, but there were some other good points that was made. Um, I think people may be sleeping on Governor DeSantis' ability to debate. Um, I heard him do an interview one time before, and there wasn't any media present. It was kind of like a private little interview, or, um, and it was impressive. And even Kelvin said that, so um, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, so, yeah, so I want to know what you think. You know, um, email me. If you are an email person uh, at I am period Janelle King 
at gmail.com and Janelle is spelled J-A-N-E-L-L-E. Do not forget the E. <laughs> and if you're a social media person, shoot me a message at um, my Instagram, which is J King, the podcast. And uh, yeah, so next week we will continue our breakdown. I'm not sure who it will be yet, but um, stay tuned. I'm hoping we continue our breakdown. If something pops up that needs to be discussed, I may change it, but I think we're going to go ahead and continue our breakdown. So uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, have a wonderful week. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Alana, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 